Hi Studio One viewers! I know my face is new here, so I just wanted to introduce myself before I get into the interview. My name is Michelle, and I'm going to mainly focus on interviewing drum and bass producers. Um, so if you don't know what that genre is, that's okay. Uh, on today's episode, I'm interviewing Alpha Rhythm, and we start out by talking exactly what the genre is. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and feel free to share it with a friend and be sure to follow Studio One on Instagram and be sure to check out Alpha Rhythm's social medias. Everything will be linked down below. So thank you again and enjoy. Well, thank you again for coming here today and being on the show. Um, my first question is for those who are watching that don't know what drum bass is, how would you best describe the genre? Yeah, that's a question that <laughs> living in the United States, I have to ask, or I get asked a lot and I have to answer a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because usually, especially in the US, people use the EDM umbrella, right? So mm -hmm. you have electronic dance music, EDM. Uh, and then to the casual listener, that's just everything. Uh, but drum and bass, to me, and, and to probably most drum and bass DJs, is so much more. Um, I mean, it has its roots in soul and funk music. Uh, and it honestly has its roots in the same kind of music that hip-hop does because of the amen break. The break that's used for most of drum and bass is the same break drum break that was used to create early hip-hop tracks. Um, you know, back in the day, people were buying records and sampling records and getting drum breaks from the records. And, and the same drum break that spawned the US hip hop movement spawned the British drum and bass movement. Um, so it is kind of the street music of London. The way we have hip hop in the United States is the kind of the way they have drum and bass in London. Um, so, you know, it has its roots in soul and funk, uh, especially the kind of drum and bass I do, which is liquid drum and bass, which is the more soulful, deep, uh, melodic, musical drum and bass. Um, but it is such a wide variety of, of, of kind of musical styles because you have the more aggressive, the more upfront drum and bass that, that's called neurofunk, you have jump up, and then, and then you have the deeper, more soulful side. Uh, and it's, uh, aside from the beats per minute, the BPM, which is 170 to like 176, um beats per minute so it's a relatively fast genre of dance music there isn't a ton in common between between neurofunk and liquid drum and bass um they're both called drum and bass but you know it's such such a wide encompassing genre um so hopefully that answered your question i mean it's it's fast soul music uh that's yeah. the best way i can describe what i do with liquid drum and bass, uh, but but again, there's just so many different styles that that barely scratches the surface of, of drum and bass as a whole. Um, for sure, that's my favorite part of it is that there's pretty much anything for whatever mood you're in. Right. It's such a like varied genre. Um, and then you mentioned the soulfulness. Is that the reason why you decided to make specifically liquid drum bass? You know, it's funny. I've been DJing for a long time, and I originally played a lot heavier sets uh more upfront like quote unquote dance floor friendly um i mean i would play the jump up drum and bass that is more popular in the united states the heavier stuff is more popular the grimier you know um that stuff tends to go over better with a u.s audience um overseas when i go to europe you know this kind of liquid style hospital records you know, Shogun Audio, Spearhead Records, um, those labels are much bigger overseas, um, not so much here in the US. So originally I did play much heavier stuff. It wasn't until <laughs> I got a little uh, older, um, you know, I'm in my 30s now, not that that's super old, but then I moved a lot more into liquid and uh, I, then I started producing. Only, uh, it's been about two years, a little less than two years that I've been producing. So I haven't been, been producing that long. So uh, it's just more, I don't know, it's more my speed today. It's more my style. It's, it, it has more soul, I think, to it. Um, it moves me more so than the, the other drum and bass kind of serves a purpose. It's dance music, right? I mean, ultimately, we have to look at the point of this music is to dance to it. Um, but for me, like, 
liquid drum and bass is so much more than just dance music. Uh, drum, you know, jump up and neurofunk and all these heavier genres. I think they play better in the club, maybe, uh, especially again to American audiences. But like, I listen to drum and bass not always in the club, right? And in fact, in the United States, we don't go to many clubs. I don't know about you, but like, I'm lucky if I make it to the club once a month. Yeah. Um, so More like, do I want to li listen to this really loud in your face dance music while I'm in the car? <laughs> like, not really. <laughs> I'd probably get pulled over because I'd go too fast. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and hospital records, you know, focused recordings, Spearhead records, these big record labels in Europe, they all put out this wonderful liquid. And mm -hmm. those are the labels I wanted to be on. And, and you kind of have to when, when I write music. I try to remember like where am I, who am I writing for? What label am I writing it for? Um, and I wanted to write for these more liquid labels. So makes sense for sure. And then how did you get the idea to combine um, video games and video game soundtracks with drone bass? That's such a cool collision of worlds. And I'm not, I'm certainly not the first person to do it. Uh, there's a whole remix community called OC remix and I, they're part of the reason I kind of got into electronic music is I used to always listen and I used to listen to video game soundtracks. And I mean, I still do. Um, but you know, I grew up playing Nintendo and, and super Nintendo and, and some of these songs are so iconic and so catchy and they've been remixed so many times. Um, and with the advent of, you know, today we're all we're all producing on computers and, and it's very easy to sample, right? So I can take a song from say Zelda, and I can be like, I love this melody, and I can snip it out of that song, and I can put it in a drum and bass track. Um, and, and I mean, I'm certainly not the first artist to do this. Like, there's so many other drum and bass artists, and they just are sampling what they're listening to, what moves them, especially in Liquid, what moves them, what what stirs their soul, because it is this soulful music. Uh, they go to those things, and, and you just, whoop, you know, they say the... Uh, Imitation, you know, is the greatest form of flattery, and and really, one of the places that's most evident is in music. Um, I've studied a lot of classical music, and and John Williams is probably the most iconic composer of the past century. But if you if you study his music, Star Wars, Jaws, all these things, he just stole those melod not stole, he lifted those melodies. You know, he didn't sample them, uh, but he he took these ideas from famous classical composers that have worked for hundreds of years and he put them in and people are like, oh, you know, John Williams, I always say is is the most hummable um, musician like ever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Superman, it's Star Wars, it's E.T., it's Jurassic Park, it's Jaws, but he, he borrowed those things from other people. Um, you know, they say good, arti good artists borrow and great artists steal. <laughs> and I hate to use the word steal, but like that's kind of how it works. And I just love video game music. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that, you know, whether it's Elder Scrolls or Zelda or, or whatever it is, they, they do such incredible orchestral work today. And it, it's such evocative music. And when I'm writing my own trying to write my own evocative music, where better to borrow ideas from than from video game music. Um, because I don't, I don't actually listen to a ton of ton of drum and bass anymore. Um, and I think you'll find most producers don't listen too much to their own genre because you need to get ideas from elsewhere. Um, so, and you want to do something that no one else is doing. And within drum and bass, I don't think anyone else is really borrowing ideas from video games. Um, but uh, yeah, I love video games. My whole, uh, if you, if you're watching the video, you know, my whole sleeve, I have a, uh, my left arm covered in tattoos and it's all video game stuff. Uh, oh, that's I, awesome. I have Sephiroth. I have a Enderman. I have a blue turtle shell. I have Samus. I have Tetris blocks. I have Solaire yeah. from Dark Souls. Uh, I have the Lich King from, from Warcraft three. Um, I have three, four, three Guildy spark from halo and, and all of these games that I'm mentioning, even Minecraft, I mean, and even Tetris, like everyone knows the Tetris music. Like it's just so, it's so iconic. Um, so what better place to, to borrow from than, than from video games, so. Oh, for sure. I know like Jeremy Soule's like one of the greatest and then like going into like Lord of the Rings, you got Howard Shore, who's just Correct. amazing. So definitely some great people to be uh, looking up to for sure. Yeah, Howard Shore, oh my God. You know, and, and that again, this is what I'm listening to in my day-to-day -day life. Like I will put on, I mean, 
talk about iconic, like the Hobbiton theme and stuff like that. Mm. It's just like, it's incredible how these songs get in your head and, and just stay there. Um, man, yeah, Howard Shore. I, I, I had the privilege of seeing him conduct a, an orchestra live and play like three hours of, of Lord of the Rings music. And, and that's a memory that'll always stick with me. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just monkey see monkey do kind of stuff. And like, I see these monkeys out there and I love what they're doing. So I just kind of try to imitate that and, and even, you know, borrow from them, so to speak. So definitely. And then, um, do you have a soundtrack that you would like love to incorporate in a song one day that like you haven't? Yeah. All of them, yeah. <laughs> the you know some of the early stuff is harder to sample um, because it is uh, it is less orchestral and they used like MIDI instruments, right? They use software mm -hmm. instruments. Today they're using orchestras, uh, but like Final Fantasy VII, for my money, is like one of the greatest soundtracks in all of video games. Um, and I actually haven't played the remake, which might be heresy, but uh, Nobuo Yamatsu, who did the music for Final Fantasy VII, well, actually one through ten. He did not do the music for the remake, so <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I would want to sample that. Maybe that's me being uh, old and curmudgeon, but I, I love the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack. Uh, that would be one that, yeah, if I could like sample One Winged Angel or Arius's theme or Cloud's theme, any of those Tifa's theme, there's so many good themes that he wrote for Final Fantasy VII. Um, and it's funny because Final Fantasy VIII, I didn't play a ton. Nine, I didn't play like at all, but I still listen to those soundtracks. It, it may be, people might think that's weird, but like, even though I never played those games much at all, I will listen to those soundtracks at work or in the car. Um, so Final Fantasy, I haven't done anything with um, in that whole series up until 10, up until Nobu stopped doing them. Uh, I would love to, I would love to sample one of those, but there's so many, oh my God. Uh, and, and some companies are more strict about copyright than other, uh, Nintendo's super, super strict with their stuff. Um, so as much as I'd love to sample, uh, a Zelda game because homage, I'm not like, I'm trying to pay homage to these wonderful games, but I, the last thing I want to do is, is get sued by Nintendo. Um, and it is kind of a shame, but I understand protecting your your intellectual property. But at the same time, I'm not doing this to make money. Um, no one makes a, a ton of money off their own music. What you do is you make money in the club. You make money off of gigs, but uh, but they do not want you making money off of their hard work. And and I get that. So, um, but Zelda again, uh, so iconic, so uh, moving. I mean, I have I have a huge Zelda tattoo on my chest too. So I and I have a Zelda hat on right now. Actually, the thing on my hat <laughs> is what is on my chest. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the wing crest. Um, and uh, yeah, you know these things. These video games are such a, a part of my life, and I would love. I'd love to sample them all. Metroid, yeah, Dark Souls. Um, but like you said, Jeremy Soul with the Elder Scrolls. That he's he is probably number one. Uh, for all video game composers for me so the funny thing with uh, Zelda too is um I forget who did the music for Zelda but he actually sampled a lot of sounds from like these really old CDs that he used to buy at like stores for really cheap and so I saw this in a video like the Ocarina of Time a lot of the songs in that game are sampled from like these old old CDs that he had picked up at a store so it's kind of cool like if you sample a video game uh soundtrack that originally used samples from something else like it's kind of like a domino effect <laughs> and, and that's how music works and that's really how all art works like you're just building off what your predecessors did um i mean the fact that we have 12 notes and and and, and all these established rules like someone said i mean it all came really a lot of it came from the church originally and, and and it's all been just iterated on over and over and over over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years so again it, nothing is as wholly original especially in this day and age music and especially the idea of western music with 12 notes has been around for so long um and, and again so much of it is thanks to the the, the catholic church really um 
if you really want to get into the history of it. But but over and over again, people are just like, that's a good idea. I'm going to use that idea, right? Um, so yeah, it's funny because I could get in trouble for sampling someone who sampled someone. <laughs> but yeah, I think Koji Kondo did the the Zelda music originally. Yeah. Um, I don't because he did Mario and he did. Uh, I think most of those original Nintendo games, Metroid, uh, as well. So. And then uh, in terms of like visuals for your album artwork, do you ever think that video games would inspire your album art, much like Seven Lions, how his album artwork is like, it's very fantastical, very like concept art style? You know, that's, I've never thought of drawing inspiration from video games. Actually, that's not true. One, uh, my newest uh, EP, which hasn't been announced yet, is coming on vinyl. Um, and I did seek out a specific artist to do the art for that. Um, and before I came up with the name I have now, I was almost called the Dark Souls EP. Um, and, uh, there is a Dark Soul EP already <laughs> and I didn't want it to get confused. So I actually changed the name of the EP. Uh, and when I changed the name of it, the album art changed completely. So uh it i wanted originally it to be something to do with like a bonfire and that is a, a tribute to dark souls Makes um sense. where <laughs> you know, so the yeah it, it's funny so the name of the ep is different now so i went a totally different direction with artwork um and i couldn't be happier with it i final productions kind of messed up right now because of covid uh the the supply chain has has been disrupted so it won't be out until next year um, but I, I, you know, I've seen the artwork, obviously all the music's written, um, and I, oh, I can't wait for that to come, but yeah, it's not, it, it actually, um, it, it's not video game related at all. And actually it's the first EPF put out without any video game samples. Um, somehow all four of the tracks, none of them have, have a, uh, video game sample sample in them. So, uh, which is, which is kind of a shame because I always tried to at least get, you know, one or two in there, but it just didn't work out this time, so. And then you're in Pittsburgh. So what's the drum bass scene like out there when like there isn't a pandemic going on? We used to have the nation's longest running drum and bass weekly. Uh, it was every Wednesday. It was called Fuzz. It was at the Bloomfield Bridge Tavern. And uh, I mean, it was a weekly, so, you know, on a good night, it, it, we might get a, a couple hundred people there on, on a, on an average night, you know, maybe 50, uh, but we had people through, we had spy through, uh, I remember it was the week before he signed a hospital record or before they announced he was signed to hospital records, uh, Seba, Clute, uh, gridlock. We, I mean, we've had so many great artists through there. Um, once that died, the scene, especially for what I do, the more uh, melodic, deeper side of drum and bass, the scene isn't isn't really there. Uh, people want dubstep and trap, um, and if you're going to play drum and bass, it better be really in your face, loud, screechy, foghorn kind of drum and bass, um, which is fine, you know, to each their own. But that's not what I do, and it's kind of a shame. Uh, or I don't know if a shame is the right word, but like. Last time I headlined a gig, you know, I'm not uh, going to compromise my art artistic integrity, uh, but there's a line I have to walk, right? Because as a DJ, I'm supposed to cater to the crowd, but also like my music just isn't, it isn't that loud in your face stuff. Um, and so last time I headlined a gig, you know, some people appreciated it. Um, I think the majority of people did not. And... <laughs> Uh, I haven't played a show here since, uh, and, and it is what it is. You know, I, I've got some stuff coming up. I'll be going next year to Europe. Um, I was actually just in Europe, in Croatia. And the reason I was in Croatia is I was supposed to be playing hospitality on the beach, uh, which is this big hospital records festival. And it was canceled, but I still had my flight. So I'm like, well, I'll still go to Croatia, right? And and it was wonderful, but it's hard when you go somewhere where your music is appreciated to come back to, and I'm not trying to throw shade at anyone, but to come back here where not as many people are into it. Um, because drum and bass, there's a scene in the United States, it's just for the really loud, in your face kind of uh, drum and bass, and that's just not what I'm doing. I'm working with vocalists now, 
Um, I'm working with, you know, it, these wonderful, wonderful musicians, and we're writing very musical drum and bass, uh, and that's just not not what people here in the U.S. are interested in. So, uh, but I love Pittsburgh. I'm a Yenzer. I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city, um, and maybe someday it'll change. You know, I, I, I have a t-shirt that says, be the change, right? Uh, and uh, sometimes you just have to, you know, I, I'm not leaving Pittsburgh anytime soon, so... We'll see what the future holds. For sure. Um, and then do you have a favorite place to perform or like your most memorable experience at an event? Oh, man. So my most memorable experience at an event, I actually didn't play. We had LSB here uh, probably three years ago. And if you've ever seen the view from Mount Washington in Pittsburgh, you can see the entire city skyline. It is absolutely gorgeous. And LSB, one of his most famous songs is called The View. And this club, the whole backdrop of the club is is Pittsburgh. It's all glass. And you can see the entire city. And both Luke, LSB, and I, <laughs> we were just like, we had this moment, you know, uh, where you the Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh skyline was behind him. And he was videotaping it. And, and I, I remember I was too because it was just – such a memorable moment that's such an iconic song and the view of pittsburgh at night is absolutely just the most beautiful thing ever um and it was really something but i didn't play that uh the the probably the best show the most memorable show i ever played was i remember it was a new year's eve rave i don't know what year <laughs> uh this is probably like 10 years ago at least uh, and it was when the scene was really thriving in Pittsburgh. And we had, I think it was a four or five room event in the greater Pittsburgh Coliseum uh, in Homestead. And uh, I got a call, New Year's Eve, I got a call saying, hey, we had someone cancel. Can you come play this New Year's rave? And I was like, of course, yeah. Let me." And I was still playing vinyl back then. Uh, I loaded up my bag. And it was by far the biggest thing I'd ever done to that date uh, the sound was incredible. The lights were incredible. Uh, everything was just, all the DJs before me were fantastic. All the DJs after me were fantastic. Um, and it was just one of the most memorable nights of my life. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I'll be going to Europe next year. I'm looking forward to making some new memories because uh, I, can't, I can't quite talk about what's coming next. And with COVID, it's all kind of fluid, right? Um, but I have some stuff coming out on some more European labels that I haven't released on yet, some big labels, and I'll be playing on some big club nights next year. Uh, fingers crossed if everything goes well. So uh, really a lot to look forward to in 2022. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just wish I could talk about it, but but not, not just yet. Eventually, yeah. Um, and then riding off of that, do you have a dream festival that like you just love to perform at? Hospitality on the beach. Oh yeah, <laughs> That's I was my supposed dream to play there. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, I'm so bummed that that didn't happen. I we spent a, a week in Tizno, which is where the festival was held, and it was just so beautiful. Um, I really wish we had the festival. <laughs> uh, but but the two weeks that I spent in Croatia, because I was going to spend a week there DJing and then a week just relaxing and it was just two weeks relaxing which was fantastic because this pandemic has been you know crazy um and uh that would have been i mean playing on those beaches at a hospital event would have absolutely been a dream come true the other one would be sun and bass uh which is another iconic uh very liquid driven drum and bass festival uh and that one you know is also you know on the beach uh, I just want to DJ on the beach. Like the music I play is so uplifting and so wonderfully beautiful, and and and, and to be able to play in such a, a visually awe-inspiring place amongst beautiful, wonderful people and beautiful scenery, I cannot think of anything better. It's just like this perfect amalgamation of of uh, sounds and sights and smell. The beach, the smells at the beach. You know, it's just like this. I love the beach. I love the ocean. I love drum and bass. It's just, it sounds incredible, but I have yet, <laughs> I have yet to experience it. So I'm sure, I'm sure one day, 
um, maybe even next year if if things go according to plan. I know Sun and Base looks really beautiful. I have family that live in Italy and I'm like, can I please like mm. stay with you and then attend this festival? Because I think that's like a seven day or five yeah, day it's a, it's a, I think, event and it's, it's amazing. I think it might be a week. Hospitality on the beach, I think was five days, maybe it was seven. I, I can't, I can't remember, but yeah, both of those festivals. I mean, Outlook always looks beautiful. Um, Let it roll. That's a little more of the the heavier side of drum and bass, but they have some liquid there too. Oh, one last one, Liquidity Festival yes. um, in, in the Netherlands. Uh, because most of what I release is on Focus Recordings too uh, and Celsius, and they're also based in the Netherlands. And there's a lot of uh, kind of cross-pollination between those labels. Um, I imagine before too long, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, release something on Liquidity or, or Galaxy, which is their sister label. Um, I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So maybe someday I'll play at that one as well. And I've never been to the, well, I've flown through the Netherlands. I've been in their airports. <laughs> I've never actually been to the Netherlands. Uh, so, but again, 2022, we're talking about stuff. We'll see, we'll see what happens. For sure, that's uh, so exciting. and. Like you said, to combine the beach with drum bass mm. and just be a great travel experience as well. Oh yeah, um, I have to plug Croatia, man. If you could ever go, uh, especially people in the United States, they're like, "Why are you going to Croatia?" And I didn't explain to them the whole thing with the festival and everything, but that country, I've traveled the world. I've been to Asia. We were just in Iceland too, which was another beautiful country. But Croatia, the people, the food the the country itself just do yourself a favor and go to croatia <laughs> before everyone else figures it out because once i figure like someday that's going to be like the biggest tourist destination in the world because people are going to figure out like this is like the most beautiful country with the most beautiful cities and the most wonderful people and it's going to be sw swamped with tourists uh but at least right now when we were there it was it was relatively empty but part of that is because the pandemic so and then uh, you started your own podcast, which is on Sundays. What inspired you to start your own podcast? What was the process like to create that? Well, I have a YouTube page, and I always said when I hit a thousand subscribers, I'll start a podcast. Uh, and a thousand's not much, uh, you know. But but I was like, you know, maybe some people will tune in, um, and not many did <laughs> at first. Uh, you know, maybe two or three maybe four, um, but I kept doing it. I think I just wanted to, I wanted an outlet uh, living here. And, and after Fuzz closed, after the weekly night, uh, Drum and Bass Night closed, I wanted somewhere to just play music um, because I downloaded all this music, you know, and I, and I loved getting on the decks and spinning, but just like, it's very easy to live stream now, right? And I was like, well, what the heck, I'll record the audio too and I'll put it up on iTunes and all that stuff. Cause eh, I mean, it, it, there's a process, but it's not too complicated. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's really taken off. I mean, my my audio numbers are, are, are pretty high. Um, you know, I usually get about maybe a thousand uh, listeners a week on YouTube to the video version. Uh, audio is between like five and 10,000 downloads a week. Um, and uh, yeah, it just built this audience. I mean, we just had episode 172 and I've done it every week. I don't think I've missed a week in three years. Um, and when I'm gone, I'm able to get other DJs to fill in for me, which is wonderful. I've gotten to the point where I've made all these friends overseas. And all I do is I, I just give them the code to, to YouTube, the stream code, right? And they, they plug in the stream key and they go. Um, so, you know, I have all these other wonderful DJs that are very gracious and giving of their time. Uh, but it's a win-win because it gives them a platform to promote their music on too. And I get a week off. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of grown into this thing. I don't know. I The whole reason that I got into drum and bass specifically was the Hospital Records podcast is yeah. is Tony Coleman, London Electricity. Um, again, I guess imitation, right? Uh, he inspired me he changed the course of my life with his ramblings and his his weekly podcast um and i kind of just took that idea and ran with it um 
my YouTube page any day now should be hitting 10,000 subscribers. I shouldn't say any day. By the end of the year, it'll probably hit 10K. Um, you know, we have a ton of people that tune into the live stream and then, and then you know, hundreds, if not thousands that watch it afterwards. So this community that sprouted out, sprouted up around it, it's the main reason I keep doing it every week, despite like life's other demands. I'm like, well, I, I got to make time for my, everyone knows, everyone that knows me, it's like Sunday's podcast day, right? Um, Sunday's the day. I, I go through all my promos because labels send me music now because I have a podcast and they want me to promote their music. So I go through the hundreds of songs that I've been sent and pick out the best ones and uh, show them to the world. So yeah, it's fun. It's great stuff. I've tuned in uh, to a couple episodes. Uh, it's perfect for when I'm like working on homework or anything like on the computer. Cause like, that's what liquid is like. I've always thought it's so perfect for it. like focusing and just, kind of getting work done and you get this beautiful music in the background for sure yeah and, and that's the, so that's the other side of the liquid question you were asking earlier like i'm like almost kind of a youtube dj at this point like my reach on youtube is greater than any festival i could ever play i did a seven hour mix that has like a quarter million listens and like you don't play to a quarter million people at a festival um and i i know it's like less direct but like I, I reach so many people, you know, millions of people on YouTube. And when you're sitting at home again, like, I don't know, I don't want to listen to blah, 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 blah. Like I want to listen to like some nice female vocals, some piano, some strings, just something where I can kind of get in a, a work mode, a workflow too. Uh, whether it's homework, uh, whether it's, you know, working, you know, in the office, whether it's driving down the road, I don't want foghorns. I'd rather have piano. <laughs> I'd rather have Leo Wood singing to me or, or whoever, you know. Um, and, and, and again, my goal was always focus recordings and hospital records are my two favorite record labels. <laughs> and the fact that like, less than a month after starting, I was releasing on both those labels, it was just or less than a year after starting production, rather. Um, I was uh, starting to, to release on both those labels, like, I, I'm still, I still can't quite comprehend it. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, that those are the labels that I represent. Those are the labels that I play the most. Um, and that's that liquid sound. Uh, and, and people, people love it. Um, the community that they support me so much. And, and, and uh, It's great for enough sure. because it's it's incredible. But I'm so disconnected from it. Like I've never met London Electricity. I've never met uh, Dreyas Marco, who who runs Focus Recordings. I've never met all these these hundreds or thousands of people that support me. I'm just this dude in in my studio in Pittsburgh. Um, but but I'm I I absolutely love it. So. And it's funny you mentioned um, the Hospital Records podcast because that's how I found your music. Is Tony played one of your songs? One day, I, he was like, "This song, it sounds like, sounds like a, a place in Lord of the Rings." And I thought, oh, "It does." <laughs> and so then that's how I discovered your yeah. uh, your music was through him. So. so Tony played that song before I had ever, I think, released anything ever, ever anywhere. <laughs> so and that was absolutely incredible to um, to hear that, right? Because I'm I I didn't know that was coming, right? Because I listened to the Hospital Records podcast. That's just what I do. I was in the car listening to it, like I always am. And I thought there was like maybe a problem with my stereo <laughs> or, or my phone because my own music started to play. And, and Tony, he used to do these demo casts and they still do, but this wasn't a, even a demo cast. Like I had sent them this song, but he played it on a normal podcast. And that was the first time they'd ever played a demo on the hospital records podcast and i couldn't even i i still to this day almost can't process what happened on that day because it, it was like what the heck is happening and, and so quickly i signed my first ep within days of that um and uh and then and then sort of hospital wanted to sign something i did a track with villem we got that song you know and, and since then it's just kind of been this roller coaster um yeah wow <laughs> what a day <laughs> i'll never forget that day that actually leads perfectly into 
the next question. What was it like to collaborate with Billum? And also has the pandemic at all changed how you collaborate with others? Well, I do a ton of collabs. In fact, it's funny, my next EP is three collabs in one individual track. The my solo tracks, the title track. Um yeah, I mean, I probably when I get off here today, I'm working on a few more uh, collaborations right now. It's funny, I call them collabs because that's what British people say. <laughs> um, but Willem, uh, I mean, I had an idea, I sent it to him. I just ask people all the time, hey, you want a collab? You, hey, you want a collab? Um, some of them do, some of them don't. Uh, that one came together pretty quickly. I had the saxophone, I had the drums i had most of it done uh the main thing that that he, he he tweaked the drums a little bit and he did the bass line um and added a couple synths um the song came together pretty quickly though and he said we should put this out on vinyl and i was like okay yeah cool um and then he's like i'll send it over to hospital so yeah uh but now yeah i i have a couple songs with leah wood i'm working on and she's just like my favorite vocalist ever uh, track with Sydney, who's <laughs> close to, you know, she's she's right up there too. Um, the the process of collaborating with these people is just incredible. We get on Zoom usually like this, you know, and we just, you know, whether whether a vocalist or or whether they're another producer, uh, we you know we, it's just been uh, like a dream come true. And again, it's so surreal because like I've never actually met any of these people. <laughs> they're all you know they're all overseas and uh, i can't wait for the day where we can finally all meet up and and hug and and uh dance together so yeah it is surreal it's that's the best word i can use for all of it i mean i have a, I have a record hanging here that's on hospital records and my music's on it and my name's on it and like the mental disconnect because again i've never met any of these people i still i i don't know if it has sunk in yet <laughs> um it is quite surreal. I was talking to Irie, who's in Sri Lanka, uh, and he's releasing on Gold Fat and on on Pilot UK, uh, which is run by UKF, um, and and on Focus Recordings. And uh, he's in the same boat. He's in Sri Lanka. He's never met anyone, you know. When we just did a song together, and we're on like, pull. He's nine and a half hours ahead of me, time zone wise. Uh, they have a weird half hour time zone, but you know, it, it's it just both of us are just like this is crazy right like these people want to put on our music all right that's cool but you know we're just on the other side of the world um there's djs playing our music in these clubs and these festivals and stuff and we're i've never seen it i've seen videos of people playing my music in the club but i've never actually heard i've never even played my own stuff in the club because last time i dj'd was before i started producing um so uh it's very very surreal and and very awesome <laughs> well i'm so happy for you because i would be like a dream come true you know such a big hospital records fan and then to have your music out with them that's like incredible for sure oh yeah it's i mean i have a tat i have a hospital records tattoo and that was my first tattoo ever and and then to be releasing on them all these years later is just yeah it, dream come true that's 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 for sure oh they're great that that's the label that i actually like got introduced to drum bass crew is like basically their roster and everybody on there is like amazing so oh yeah Tony yep. did a great job <laughs> yes yeah and chris you know tony has kind of stepped down recently um from label management and it is more dan uh gresham newtone and and chris goss who used to be half of london electricity london electricity used to be tony coleman and chris goss um now it's just tony and tony just wants to focus on music and chris is focusing on label management um and dan newtone is the head of uh, of a and r which is artisan repertoire which basically means like all the songs get vetted by him like before anything gets released if i'm understanding the process correctly currently at hospital records that all goes through through dan newtone so oh cool cool um and then i know we've kind of touched base on this a little bit already but in terms of vocalists, is there anyone that you haven't worked with yet that like you would love to work with? Uh, oh, that I haven't worked with yet. Because <laughs> Leo Wood was my dream. <laughs> and she's the first vocalist I worked with. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's yeah. Vellum, again, kind of, uh, he was instrumental in setting that up because they've worked. Some of her best stuff is is with Vellum. Um, 
and with Steve BC, you know, uh, Willem and, and BC are very close. Uh, and then I was like, well, I want to work with Sydney, and then now I'm working with her. Um, <laughs> oh boy, what 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 next? Uh, I wouldn't mind doing another MC track. You know, I'm thinking female vocalists, but DRS. Uh, oh, yeah. is is a legend and uh doing a track with drs would be really cool um so i'm gonna I'll, I'll say i'll say drs for male and if i had to pick one female then i haven't it's that's tough i don't know if it'd be like colette warren or uh, yeah i mean there's a, so many good female vocalists um boy yeah, I really, really, really have, have a hard time picking because there's a lot. There's a lot of female vocalists that I'd like to work with. Uh, Ruth Royal, uh, Rhea. Um, boy, there's just so many good female vocalists within drum and bass. Diane Charlemagne would have been number one, but unfortunately she passed away. Um, Elsa Esmeralda, I mean, just one second, is such an iconic tune. Uh, yeah. And working with her would be cool too. So there's a lot of female vocalists, but as far as men go, DRS would would probably be the top of the list, and actually overall just be the top of the list. Um, now that Leo Wood and Sydney have been crossed off the list, <laughs> he's number three. So he's awesome, and I, there's so many like you know Charlotte Haining, um, mm -hmm. Charlie Bricks. I yes, Charlie. Oh my God, yeah, she's great. Um, DRS, he he like swept the Drum Bass Arena Awards like for a couple of years, and. Yeah. But you know what? I haven't listened to too many of his of his songs, and like like last year, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna like listen to it, and I, I realized, oh my gosh, totally get why he's constantly nominated, constantly like mm. winning at least best like either MC or like vocalist. So good. Yeah, yeah, he has his own label, Space Cadet, um, and he works very closely with Luke LSB, and in fact, they did an album together called The Blue Hour, which so for my money is like one of the best pieces of, of drum and bass ever to come out um i love lsb and and i i love drs so yeah i he he's number one for me i'd have to say but for whatever whenever for whatever reason whenever i hear the word vocalist i immediately think of of a female um but uh you know it, it, there's a number of male vocalists that are that are wonderful too so definitely um and then last Nope. Second last question. Um, Subwoofer Lullaby. That's like one of my favorite songs. Literally, when I listen to it, I feel like I'm in a magical elven forest. It's it's just so perfectly like ethereal and like ambient. And so what was your inspiration behind that song? Oh, that's that's a tough one to answer. Um usually when i write music i just kind of get in a workflow i think i wrote that song in a day uh, and most of my music i do write very 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 quickly i get the ideas down quickly and then i go back and and refine um yeah it, it's a weird song if you know how it's made <laughs> uh it, the end result and, and what i started with are two very different things i took some female vocals that i found on youtube and stretched them way out so it would take like one word um and stretch it out into several seconds and put a ton of reverb on it and that's where you get that kind of siren i i almost think of it as like a siren song um you know it's it's this like this this almost like you said elvish kind of thing um but it's just this girl i found on youtube i don't remember who or what she was singing. Um, but that's like one word just stretched way out with a ton of reverb on it. And if the reverb wasn't on it, it would sound awful, in fact, because when you stretch a half a second of music into five seconds, it sounds really bad. But the reverb turns it into this kind of haunting melody. Um, and then the rest of it kind of came together really quickly. I, I started with those female vocals um i added the strings uh there's a choir i played in there um and then it's just a, a pretty simple bass line and, and some drums it's not that complex of a song actually um but it did all start with those with those female vocals um i think the words she is saying uh if i remember correctly she's saying you are 
and that that that's stretched out at the beginning at the drop and then I think later she says, you don't know. And again, it's just stretched way out. Um, you can't understand it, right? It's not discernible. Um, but so I think some of the best drum and bass has these vocals like that you can't quite understand, right? Um, it's like there's vocals in it, but you don't know what they're saying. And I like that because it allows you to kind of imbue it with your own meaning. Uh, when you have vocals, when you have words, uh, you know what the song's about, right? It's, oh, it's about heartbreak, or oh, it's about falling in love, or oh, it's about something, whatever, you know, uh, usually about one of those two things. <laughs> um, but but with when you just have the human voice, it's an anchor. It gives you something to identify with. The human voice is the oldest instrument, right? Um, and uh, that's really how this song came about, is I just had these like haunting vocals kind of uh but i i like that i like i like your interpretation of it um it is very very uh ethereal kind of elvish so yeah, yeah that's exactly what i thought of I was like, this this makes me think i'm in like lord of the rings or like skyrim or like any any game or, or movie where there's like beautiful elves and like mysterious forests and that that's the first song I wrote where Marco, who runs Focus Recordings, I had done one Celsius EP. We were working on a second Celsius EP. And that's kind of the Focus sub-label, um, which honestly, I think Celsius is incredible. I'm not trying to knock it by calling it a sub-label, but um, it, it's not considered the big label. Focus is the, the big boy. Um, and he, he heard that and he said, let's do a Focus EP next. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that song. It'll always have a special place in my heart because it's the first one that uh, that Marco considered good enough to to hang with the big boys, I guess. Um, yeah, and it became the title track of of my third EP. So perfect. Um, and then final question: Do you have any advice for anybody watching who may have an interest in producing drum bass or just like dance music in general? Uh, anyone can do it. Uh, stop talking about it and do it. Because <laughs> I talked about it for a long time. Um, I DJed for so long. Uh, and I never had the time. That was always my excuse is I never had the time. COVID provided the perfect opportunity because I got laid off and I had nothing but time. Um, yeah, Carpe Diem uh, sees the day, you know. Uh, not to get religious or anything, but there is a saying that says, uh, you know, one door shuts and God opens another door. Um, and I find that to be so true. Uh, a lot of times people focus on the problem instead of the solution. And it was like, it, I always said, if only I had the time, right? And this pandemic happens, right? And I get laid off and like, there seems to be all these problems happening in my life. But in fact, it was a golden, it was, <laughs> it was a golden platter or a silver platter. It was this golden opportunity. It was, hey, you said if you had time, well, here's all the time you you could ever want. Um, I wrote three EPs. I mean, I wrote the Warrenfell EP, I wrote Everfrost EP, and I wrote the Subwoofer for Lullaby EP and the track on Hospital Records uh, all while laid off. Um, so do it. <laughs> That's my biggest advice um, is just anyone can do it, man. Like, I... I I could never have dreamed of being on hospital records. Um, dreamed, a focus, I think, is criminally underrated. I, I, you know, I put them side by side with hospital as, as being my favorite. Um, those were my goals: focus and hospital, and, and I met them, you know. Um, and now I get to. I mean, <laughs> they're putting my stuff on vinyl now. I, I you know, again, I, I can't quite. Um, it, it is very surreal. They want me to fly to to where? You want me to go? To, okay, sure. Yeah, London. Gotcha. I'll be there. You know, like cool. Um, just do it. Um, the sky's the limit. Yeah, I guess the other thing is ask for help. Um, and and go on YouTube. I mean, there's a bajillion YouTube tutorials. Like anyone can do it. The bar has been set. The the bar has been removed. It used to be you needed all these samplers and all this hardware and blah 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 blah. Now you need like a, a, a five-year-old PC and a copy of Ableton and some samples. Um, if you have a MIDI controller, great. You know, you don't, you need a mouse, a keyboard and a computer. 
Um, and there's a number of people like Willem uh, that do one-on-one -on -one sessions that will teach you music production. And, and he's the reason, uh, he, he really is the reason I started producing. Um, I saw him post on Facebook saying, hey, I've got room for one more student. If anyone wants production lessons, I was like, man, that'd be cool. And this is right before COVID. I was like, that'd be cool. And I, I got working with Willem and I'm doing some stuff and eh, I might have, I don't know if I was really getting anywhere. <laughs> um, and then COVID hit um, and uh, I got laid off and I just threw myself into it. But now I'm working again and I'm still able to do it. So, you know, it's, it's all about finding balance mm -hmm. um, between, between work and music. Um, and so. silver linings, I guess, like what you mentioned, having right. some time to like chase your dreams. And I'm so excited for you that like, like you were saying, you know, oh, it'd be so great to kind of get into this and then boom. And then, you know, X number of months later, you have a release on hospital. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, but it's, it's because I asked for help. It's, I didn't have the knowledge or the tools to do it myself. So I was like, Hey, I looked to people that were offering guidance. Right. And that's really like all <laughs> that could be said for all of life. Like if you want to do something, like just find someone else who's done it and ask them what they did, because like, if you want what someone has, just take the actions that they took to get there. Um, that goes for everything. Like, like if you want a driver's license, just do what everyone did before you, like go take the driver's test and blah, 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 go to the DMV, whatever. Like it, the same goes for music production. Like if I want what Willem has, I do what he does. Um, if I want, you know, it, it's, it's really, uh, I said, monkey see monkey do, but that that's everything, man. Like, it's all about taking the necessary actions to get there, not just talking about it and thinking about it, but actually taking concrete actions that point you in that direction, taking the steps necessary to achieve the goal you want. Um, and that could be said just for everything in life. Like if you want what someone has, you just do what they do, then you're going to get what you're going to get. It. I mean, that's, that's it. That's everything. <laughs> um, it took me so long to figure that out, but, uh, yeah, that's how that's how this whole thing works. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to uh, try to accomplish these music production goals, and so thank you for sharing your uh, your knowledge. Um, <laughs> the little then, bit that I have. <laughs> I'm just gonna film the the outro. And, cool. Uh, so thank you again for being here. As you know, huge fan of your music. So this is so wonderful to meet you like virtually and have Yeah, thank you show. for having me. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And um, just to wrap things up, you can share with everyone where they can find your music, your social medias, keep up. Oh, sure. Uh, YouTube.com slash alpha rhythm. Uh, that's probably the best place if you want to catch my mixes. I have hundreds on there. Uh, and then everything else is alpha rhythm DMB. Uh, Instagram.com slash algorithm DMB, Facebook.com slash algorithm DMB, uh, Twitter, although I don't really use that. Um, and I'm also on Patreon and I do a ton of stuff on Patreon. Thank you so much if you're a patron of mine and you're listening. Um, Patreon.com slash algorithm DNB. Uh, yeah, I'm all over the place. So you can find me pretty much everywhere. So just search algorithm, you'll find me.